our eyes, our window, not to our soul necessarily, but, but to our cognition. Maybe uh, to both. And, and research shows that. Uh, there's products out there using eye tracking to, to identify concussion and uh, dementia and other kind of cognitive issues. And there's research that shows that ADHD can be seen from my eyes, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it, right? Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Today, I have the privilege of talking to a world expert on one of the most important topics that is facing the younger generation and the older generation, for that matter, ADHD. Meet Adi Diner, CEO and co-founder of iFocus. Adi Diner is the CEO and co-founder of iFocus and a physicist PhD with extensive experience in product development in the biotech and medical device industries. One in 10 children and adults have ADHD. Today, the treatment relies only on subjective feedback. Do you feel it is working? As a result, many do not get treated properly. iFocus will change the way ADHD is treated by providing objective treatment efficacy measures. Adi Diner from Palo Alto, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me here. PhD in physics from the Weizmann Institute, Elbit Systems, about 10 more companies that I'm not going to mention now, uh, but uh, you're working on, on some of the most exciting things that, that I can think of uh, with, with a passion for, for hardware and biotech and medical devices, and today focusing on iFocus uh, as the yeah. founder and CEO, uh, talking about AI, an AI-based medical device in the ADHD uh, space. A lot of us, a, lo- a lot of things to unpack from this very short and, uh, and, and uh, apologies in advance, bad introduction, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, everything, hopefully. Who are you, Adi? How, how do you navigate through PhD in physics to medical devices to ADHD? So I think the, the, the correlating line is I like to solve complex problems and I like to do da- use actual data and you know, scientific approach to solve them. I think that takes the line through. So one thing you learn when you do an experimental PhD is you learn how to figure out how to solve problems in a, 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 a challenges because if you just gueswork and shoot in the dark, it's not going to work. Uh, and that's, now, what, what I, I think something I took with me. PhD. Uh, so I was uh, working at the Weizmann Institute in a pretty complex uh, lab with big vacuum systems and lasers and lots of things that can break down. So the science is, what, is one thing, but you learn that most of the time you, tr- you troubleshoot technical problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, as you go through then your journey to Elbit Systems, what, what do you discover about yourself you know, on your journey that, you know, focuses you on, at the end, biotech, medical devices, and, and your most recent venture? Uh, you know, it's a good question. But I, I think the first thing I learned is that I'm pretty good in uh, communicating and not only doing the work. So getting other people to do things, uh, communicating what should be done, and kind of thinking through the process. Uh, then I spent I found myself in many companies I worked in working on process of product development and defining the process. And I learned that many people don't want to do that. Why, uh, Why do you think so? Uh, I think, well, 
scientists and engineers want to do the technical interesting part and the people that are not don't want to bother with you know working with these crazy scientists and engineers <laughs> so having both sides uh, is important and i also learned that you know too much process is catastrophic no process at all is also catastrophic so you need to find the middle ground right. and working with hardware it, it, it emphasizes that because mistakes are much more expensive both financially and in terms of time scale uh, you can't so, just do an upgrade with the customers in the field. Right. So to take me up 30,000 feet in the air. Most of the people that I get to talk to here, they're coming from the software space. Uh, I'd love to, to understand a little bit better hardware and, and the way that it works and, and you know the complexity behind working on hardware, especially in biotech and medical devices. What, what does the landscape look like? How does the, how does the cycle work, you know, perhaps as opposed to you know, traditional SaaS company? So there are a few kind of, if I want to hide, highlight the differences, that's the middle and the end. Uh, the first step is figuring out the technology and solving the technical problems is, is fairly similar. You know, you iterate, you try to figure it out. Uh, there's another step that is uh, very important in hardware, and I think less so in software, is the translating what works in the lab to something that you can actually manufacture. So the fact that the engineer can work on this for a month and make it to work, then you need to make it again, right? The fact that it worked once is still not good enough. And that's a huge challenge. Uh, and the other step is scaling, right? Uh, if I can make 10, that doesn't mean I can make 100 or I can make 1,000. And they usually need a different facility and a different process for each of these steps. Uh, right. And that gets expensive and, and time-consuming, especially if you don't plan for it. Right. And so, and so while it sounds to me that today, you know, when we're talking about scale, at least in the software space, you know, we, we've been trained almost and, and the ecosystem has moved towards this, you know, one touch scale and worst case, you just pay a little bit more, but, but the services, it doesn't require of you too much. What I'm hearing from you is that there is this added complexity of the supply chain here in manufacturing that you have to take into account when you're working with hardware, right? Yes. Definitely. And the cost of changes, right? So you get to out to the customers, right? You want to do agile, you go out to the customers and the customer tells you you need to change something. That's very expensive. So you need to get creative with figuring out how to loop that information in before spending all the time to get the final product. Right. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so as you go throughout your journey, what, what, is some, what are some of the guiding points for you when, when you decide on, on what to work on, when to work on it? Because one of the things that, you know, as a young entrepreneur, I observe about myself and about others is this constant question of what, what is the right thing for me to be doing? Uh, how, how do you answer that for yourself? I have to say, I keep asking myself what I want to do when I grow up. That seems to be a constant oh, question. Uh, and it's changed. The answer changes with time. Uh, so the first step is kind of to let go of working in the lab. I love working in the lab. But at some point you realize I value more the big picture and being involved in system level and you know company level decisions. And you can't do it from the lab. You can't do both. Uh, so that was the first step. Um, and then I wanted to see, okay, where, where can I, I make an impact? Where, where can I actually do good in the world? That's fine. You know, building lasers for research is exciting. But, and you can say, yeah, eventually it will make good in the world, but it feels not strong enough. And that's what kind of pulled me to biotech and medical devices. And building a device that you actually know can help people later 
and save people's lives potentially. I, that makes me feel much more uh, accomplished. Or it feels like I'm using my skills to something that will actually help people. And you, you really want to do that. It makes much more fun to go to work in the morning. Right. And so, you know, what started from what it seems like a, you know, in consulting, a, you know, turned into more now more of a, you know, concrete passion with, with centered around ADHD. So like I generally like to do, let's start 30,000 feet in the air. The landscape of the, of, of, of you know, uh, learning disabilities or ADHD focus and then deep dive into what yeah. does iFocus actually do? Yeah, so uh, what I'm doing now has nothing to do with hardware, actually. Uh, I know how hard it is, and every time I had an idea in the hardware space, I would disregard it because it was too complicated. Uh, uh, but it's interesting because a lot of the lessons do, do work in software as well. Uh, uh, like how important it is to define your product correctly uh, is a good example. Uh, but going back to, to the high-level discussion, uh, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD during my PhD. And my son two years your PhD. ago. Yeah. So relatively late wow. in the career. Uh, you know, when I was studying uh, to exams in, in college, I would physically walk around the table. But uh, no, I didn't ask why. It was fine. No, I was working with a group and just walking around the table all the time because I couldn't physically sit down. Um, wow. And by the way, women and girls are the population that is most missed in diagnosing ADHD because... Uh, they tend to be less disruptive type and more the dreamy type. Uh, and if it doesn't bother anyone, then it's not addressed. Uh, that's, that's a different part. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and women's health is, and, and, and how that's been missed because research was done on, on men is, is a big topic that I'm not an expert in. We, we could have a few episodes, <laughs> I think, just on that. Uh, but going back to ADHD, so one thing that uh, uh, kept running in my mind throughout, you know, kind of as I was learning about ADHD, is the amount of uh, misconceptions that are out there and the fact that there's not enough data. So the best way in my mind to fight misconceptions is to have strong data. Uh, and there's no data. Uh, diagnosis is done mostly by questionnaires and discussion. There are some automated testing, but uh, in the end, the doctor needs to make a call. So there's no do this blood test or imaging or whatever and get a result. Uh, and treatment is, is even worse. You get whichever treatment you decide to try, the way the doctor knows it works is they ask you. Or the parents, uh, uh, teachers, parents or teachers. That's the only tool. And if I, during my PhD, when I was diagnosed, kept thinking, well, maybe I'm just lazy. Everyone has a hard time focusing. You know, and I was already accomplished. How can you expect teenagers to, to be confident with that answer? Right. Uh, so I, I kept thinking of, uh, uh, for a while now, what, what would be a good way to collect more data? And the, the, kind of the immediate way to think about it is MRIs. I know there's work to reducing costs of MRIs, but it's still way off. Having everyone be able to do an MRI is, is just not there yet. I know people here that, you know, in the Israeli, at least in the Israeli medical system, you want to get an MRI? Great. We have an appointment for you for two and a half months from now and uh, better get ready. Yeah. So there's enough work on improving that, but that's a long time skill. And then actually, it's, it's a funny story. It's, you know, because we all moved to Zoom, I realized teachers can't know if the kids are falling, right? Because you have 20 kids or more. And that's because they can't see the kids' eyes. Right. So I started looking at research on this topic, 
And I learned, yes, our eyes are a window, not to our soul necessarily, but to our cognition. Maybe uh, to both. And, and research shows that. Uh, there's products out there using eye tracking to, to identify concussion and uh, dementia and other kind of cognitive issues. And there's research that shows that ADHD can be seen from your eyes, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it, right? Right. No, that, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And so when you make, when, at that point in time in the intersection, you, you have that understanding, you have the discovery, you're, you're at an inflection point. You have to decide what to do. What do you have to, what do you do with that information? So what do you do, Andy? So, so first of all, I, you know, I was looking, you know, of course, I, my initial thought was someone should have thought about it. It's out there. No, someone did it. So I did some research. I found some things that were close, but no one really took it to the direction I'm thinking of because in a way, the advantage, I, I'm, not, I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't come from this field. So I can see things slightly differently. I'm also not a researcher. So I'm not trying to understand the mind. There are people that do that way better than I right? I'm trying to get a tool. Uh, and uh, I saw no one else did it. I also, something else is as being a consultant working with many startups, I realized that, you know, there are great startups and startups that seem to be maybe not amazing, right? So you have all the range. And the way I can do what they can do, right? <laughs> I love that. And, and so you, when, as, as you're saying, I can do what they can do. What, what is the actual course of action? What is the plan to tackle this? And, you know, both at scale, but, you know, at the end to, to make a positive impact. So I started talking with people and the first and amazing uh, advice I got is talk to hundred people. Uh, Daria henning Shekel gave me that advice. Talk to hundred people, uh, which is amazing because it's a process. You learn more as you talk to people and you get a better understanding of what you want and how you're going to communicate it. Uh, I talked to uh, people from the field, to potential customers, to parents, lots of parents, uh, of people with ADHD, uh, and to people from uh, eye tracking space as well. So understand getting right. the eye tracking. Uh, uh, kind of going back to my optics and, and the uh, background. So, so that's nice. It's always there to, to support. Uh, and I managed to get an eye tracker from the leading eye tracking company, a Toby Pro, for a month. And one month means not a lot to learn about the new technology, but it was a good challenge. And because there are quite a few entrepreneurs and talented people with ADHD, I managed to get 10 people around to help me test my theory. So we had them read with and without medication a paragraph. Here at the garage, I'm saying starting in the garage in Palo Alto. It's of always a good start. <laughs> that's always a good start. That, that's half the battle, honestly. <laughs> and it, it, honestly, it was amazing. So, you know, the summit was adults and teens. So the, the kid is reading. I have the parents standing behind me and you can see the monitor with me. And you can see how much harder the kids are working with our medication. And these are extremely successful high schoolers, right? Right. Uh, but without medication, you can see they're going up and down, reading again and again. And with medication, it's, it's just going. And the amazing thing is, if you would have asked them, is it hard to read this paragraph without medication? They would laugh at me, right? This was a middle school level paragraph. They read books for fun. It, so they don't know they're working so much harder. And that's huh. the amazing thing here. That was the, the real kind of aha moment. It's, you can see the difference without making the other side working so hard 
and failing a test if you want. Right. Uh, and it makes it makes it so much easier to make medical decisions and for parents to kind of get behind these decisions when they say it's really effective. It's making it's making my kid's life easier, right? And so as you're going through this aha moment and and you know, we we also have to give the context that this is all pretty recent, right? I mean, you started this back in around January, so this has only been going on for a few months, and so it's especially an interesting time to talk to you about this because uh, this is uh, you know right when it's happening. How do you go about you know envisioning a world after I focus has has made its dent? How how is the world different after I focus rather than before I focus? So, you know, today, if someone has high blood pressure, for example, the first thing the doctor will do is send you get a, a device to measure your heart blood pressure and measure it before you take the first treatment and after. Before that, no one talks to you without it. And blood pressure is a good example because there's fluctuations. The fact that you had the measurement at the clinic is not a, a medical decision. Concentration is the same, right? We all know that. Not every day is the same. Uh, so the way I envisioned it would be the same, right? You have this device, it's a, a going to be webcam based, you software, you go home, you run the test a few times on your computer and, or your kid runs the test, and then you try your first medication and you can see if it works. There's no guesswork. No. The stress that every parent or kid with ADHD feels of, did they make the right decision, goes away. Or, or reduces significantly, right? As parents, you always have a stress, but it reduces significantly. Uh, and then you think something changed or you go to a generic medicine because you change insurance. No stress. You just try it again, right? Right. Uh, well, I want this to... affected by your child's diagnosis? Of course, that was a, a big trigger for thinking through this. So, so as I was kind of thinking of I focus, we were also thinking about starting medication with my son. Uh, and, uh, and we have started, and I would love to have this tool. Now, I have the advantage that I'm taking medication, so I, I know how it looks. And uh, luckily, he's been reacting similarly to, to the way I have, which is not a given. Uh, but, and, and, and it's been, we've been relatively lucky with, with low side effects, but that's not the average. You know, many people have a hard time finding the right medication. Uh, and... Uh, I would definitely want to know, right? As he's becoming more of a teenager, right? He's 12 now. He will tell me less about how he feels and how school goes. And right. uh, teachers are great, but they, they are not, they can't know exactly what experience every student has, right? They can see if something is falling apart and you want to, to catch it before falling apart. And there's exactly. an important point to understand about ADHD. Uh, the way I see it is that what stops people with a moderate ADHD, kind of the average, from succeeding is not ADHD, is losing confidence in their ability. Uh, and, and school is a bad environment for ADHD because uh, you have to concentrate on something that is not interesting for you in many cases. Right? In life, we all try to at least spend most of our time with things that are interesting for us. In school, you can't do that. Uh, and so you put the kids there, and that's where they define their, uh, uh, the way they see themselves and how they perceive their capability. Now, if you don't think you can, there's no way you succeed. 
I, I love the, the context that you're framing this as a, you know, a motiva- in motivation in the context of if curiosity, not just the context of how fast you can read or, or, or how many problems you can solve in an hour, but it's, it's all about it then, the, this intrinsic motivation to learn. And I, I want to thank you for coming and sharing with me uh, the, this marvelous journey. And, and I just love this idea that you're gaining the, this amazing domain expertise in, in, in different fields from physics to hardware to biotech and medical devices, but then translating to something that you're innately passionate about. Uh, 20, 20 minutes go by very, very fast, but I have three quick and fun questions for you if you're ready. Okay. All right. Favorite subject in middle school or high school? I think I know what it is. Yeah, it, it, it was physics, but only the lab part, not the theory. Only the, only the lab part. Uh, somebody who inspires you, a role model of yours. Gosh, I, I think all the women that are uh, broke the glass ceiling, every, each and every one of those. I love that. I, that. That's a really good one. And three words that you would choose to describe yourself, or if I were to ask anybody, who is Adi Diner? Who are you? Uh, gosh, that, that's a hard one. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a, a mother. I'm a, I think I'm a researcher in heart, uh, not in the academic sense, but I like learning new things. Uh, and I'm extremely persistent. I love that. Adi, thank you very, very much. Stay safe. Thank you very much. Healthy. Continue doing amazing things and then making a positive impact on the world. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. Take care.